Hello and welcome to 117. Today, we are marking International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination in conversation with inclusion specialist and the chair of All We Can's Board of Trustees, Lynbert Spencer. We release a monthly live video broadcast and podcast with special episodes and content. From conversations about the big news items and headlines to insights into our partners working in the world's most vulnerable communities. Find out more and stay up to date on the latest content on our podcast page at allwecan.org.uk forward slash podcast. Well, hello and welcome to 117 um, for today's uh, special episode for International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. We've been talking to various members of the team and various other stakeholders and friends of All We Can. And this morning, we're really excited to have Limbert Spencer with us. Limbert Spencer is a consultant, coach and facilitator, helping organisations to manage inclusion and to achieve added value from diversity and to improve organisational performance. And he's also the chair of the board of All We Can. So we're really delighted to have Limbert with us in that capacity. So welcome to Limbert. Hello. Ah, <laughs> hello, Alex. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, very, very excited to have the opportunity to, um, uh, to share with you this morning. Thank you very much. And we're, we're delighted to have you with us as well. Um, as many of our viewers will know, we generally do interview format questionnaires and uh, a little uh, roundtable discussions on 117. And today is a really important day to be doing that. And we're so delighted again to have you with us. So I've, I've been with your weekend team since June and really delighted to get to know you better, Limbert, at um, our partner conference back in October, which I'm sure we'll um, touch on a bit later. So first of all, um, if you're happy to, I wondered if you could just introduce your background in this kind of area of work, um, how you got into it. Was there a kind of uh, a special moment, a, a kind of conversion moment almost where you realised that this was what you were uh, meant to be doing? Yes, I'm, I don't know that there was a special moment uh, as such. My background community development. So uh, I've always been concerned about people issues and community issues. Um, I, I guess that's at one level almost inevitable being brought up uh, in the Salvation Army. Um, so the uh, combination of uh, being brought up in the Christian faith and being part of an organization uh, who are committed and involved in work on the ground, as it were, in various communities across the world, um, led me really to um, to that kind of work. I was always involved in uh, working in the youth club or the community centre when I was, uh, even when I was a teenager, hundreds of years ago, it seems. So it, uh, it wasn't that surprising that, uh, uh, although I did a number of different things before I, as it were, grew up, I then went to uh, college to train in community development and community work activities. That's awesome. So in a way, a kind of um, natural progression, but also in a way, maybe a bit of an Emmaus Road moment where you realised you've been doing that for a while. Yeah, very much so. And I think that the, the work around then um, issues around equality, diversity and inclusion, I guess that came about or has come about not just uh, as a consequence of a desire to be involved in it professionally, but at a personal level. 
I was involved as a volunteer in, I suppose, in the early days, way, way back, in what was then, you know, local community relations councils, uh, which were dealing with issues around ethnic diversity, um, what people, you know, would talk about in terms of uh, race and racial discrimination. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, as a child in the age of color bar, really, that was around and was lawful, or rather wasn't unlawful. So, you know, literally signs on doors saying, you know, uh, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs for accommodation. So that was the kind of environment, which uh, I, I think then, as somebody who was then involved in working with young people, working with vulnerable adults, I suppose, meant that couldn't help but see that some people, even in that context, were then also being treated less favorably than others. So that was the that was the backdrop, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that that um, sort of hinges on to my next question, actually. Um, um, I suppose to many of the organisations and communities and people that you'll be working with now, the, the idea of seeing signs like that, no blacks, no dogs, no Irish, um, seeing those sorts of those legal, um, those lawful means of discrimination and then seeing in many ways, I suppose, the, the progress when it comes to legislation and, and, and sort of formal change. How often do you encounter in those organisations a kind of blindness to the continuation of racial discrimination, you know, despite the change in, in law and the change in even in societal outlook? How often do you encounter a kind of blindness to the fact that this is still going on, um, just in a different in different clothes and in, in a different guise? Yeah, I, I think that an interesting question, because I think that the uh, the blindness is there for all of us. Uh, the question is, what is it that we are blind to? I think uh, we all have vision in relation to some aspects of diversity um, and an awareness. Um, but in my experience, we are all blind in other areas or some other areas. And I think one of the things that uh, I've experienced as a very much a, a long in the tooth professional around this work is to uh, is to realize that just because somebody is um, has uh, if we stick with the blindness piece 2020 vision as it were in terms mm -hmm. of one air one aspect of diversity doesn't mean to say uh, that they're not potentially blind in other areas of diversity so I might be completely you know uh, aware and recognize issues uh, around uh, ethnic diversity. It doesn't mean to say that when it comes to concerns around uh, gender or sexual orientation or disability, that I'm not blind. And I think that that's the, that's the piece. So, you know, the, the direct answer to the question, how often do I come across it, is all the time. It's a question of where are we blinded? What are we blind to? It's then for me about helping people to see rather than chastising them because they're behaving inappropriately. That's um, such a fascinating distinction and, and, and such a 
an important thing to raise is, is that those areas of blindness that, that can be present. And so that, again, um, hinges on to my next question, which is, uh, um, which is amazingly um, uh, an amazing coincidence. I wondered if you could sort of briefly introduce your kind of concept of inclusive leadership. In many organisations, the leadership, the executive, they're kind of tasked with looking and in, being introspective and, and um, seeing the issues or the blind spots in the organisation. Um, so this concept of inclusive leadership, um, where did it come about and why is it so um, powerful as a point for transformation? Yeah, I'm, uh, for me, uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, I, I don't know where, where it came about, but I, uh, what I know is that uh, my journey has taken me from, if you like, a, a situation where uh, uh, an awareness of uh, the power and importance of um, equality and equal opportunity and people being enabled. And then I began talking about um, diversity when others in my field were still talking about equality and awareness. Uh, and then um, uh, probably 20 years or more ago, I began to uh, think, well, diversity is important, uh, but actually the point is inclusion. Uh, and my uh, whole uh, sense, and I guess my whole area of work and focus over the last uh, 15 or 20 years has been to say that inclusion is essentially an emotion and not just a physical presence. It's not just about um, being, it's not just about representation. You can have all the representation in the world, but if people don't feel included, don't have uh, a real sense of uh, uh, feeling respected, trusted, safe, valued, and having a sense of belonging, uh, then uh, uh, nothing actually changes. Uh, and legislation can't actually bring that about. That's, for me, all about inclusive leadership. And that's about being intentional uh, as, a, as a leader and uh, both uh, demonstrating and being the person that behaves in a way that enables those that you're leading to experience those emotions which are the things that um, generate what we would call inclusion. So inclusion is a function of being respected, trusted, safe and valued, uh, which in turn uh, requires leaders to be proactive and to manage that process because that's not going to happen overnight. So when I then think about myself and having relatively recently joined All We Can as chair of the board, it seems to me that my role and function, my number one priority, which I've made clear to the board, I don't know whether they were surprised or not, uh, my number one priority is to uh, seek to facilitate and, in, and maintain an environment within the board, a culture, if you like, where everybody feels respected, trusted, safe, valued, has a sense of belonging. And therefore, they can bring their skills, their knowledge, their challenge to one another and to senior staff and likewise senior staff to the board in a way that then adds phenomenal value. Um, and... I don't need to be, and indeed would not claim to be, an expert in international development. Others do that. But if I can create and maintain an inclusive board, 
then that's the kind that that has led to the legacy. If I kind of think longer term, that I would want to, to live. Yeah, that's amazing that this idea of actually having a foundation of of those key ingredients, I suppose, for for success and ingredients for um, for a healthy environment. And 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 I suppose I've forgotten the fourth adjective. Respected. It's just as respected. Um, if we have that as a board, as a staff team, with our volunteers and with our relationships with our partners, that should be the strongest foundation um, for us. Absolutely. Our and then you go beyond that and begin to ask yourself, um, given that uh, this person, this group are different from me, what is it that they need from me if they're going to experience those emotions? And I can't assume that just because something works for me, it's going to work for them. And that's yeah. where you uh, then begin to, going back to the question of blindness, have to open your eyes to see that uh, that we're all different. Um, yeah. And if we're going to facilitate that uh, inclusive environment, it's about treating everybody equally well, recognizing their differences as opposed to, and, and sometimes in the church, we, we are guilty of this, uh, and guilty of it with the strongest of motive and positive motivation, but we talk about A, treating everybody the same, and B, not, you know, we don't notice or we, we disregard their differences. Well, that needs to be turned entirely on its head. We need to recognize that we need to treat everybody differently in order that they can be their best selves and feel included, taking account of their differences. That's uh, also touching on something that which uh, which was recently something that we were sharing in, in our comms, but actually for a, for a different topic that related to discrimination, really, but for International Women's Day last week, um, there was a real emphasis on embracing equity this year and the concept that actually equity is different to equality in, in, in that you you have to treat people differently in order to give them equal footing, equal platform, and, and to give them um, an equally valued space in your organization. And actually equity is kind of the word that encompasses that. I, I suppose uh, with what you were just saying, that's that sort of echoes true in terms of racial discrimination as well. Yes, yeah, so I think what happens is that we, we perhaps create a different word. Uh, and I've always felt, well, actually, what if we just define the word that we're familiar with, redefine that? Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, whether we call it equal opportunity, equality or equity, for me, that it's about treating everybody equally well. Yeah, yeah. Equally well. We like yeah, that. Everybody equally well. That's a phrase that we uh, that, that we've heard you say um, in, in our internal staff sessions when you've come and spent time with your weekend team as well. And um so <laughs> thank you for thank you for coining that phrase, at least from my perspective. And it has huge power treating yeah. everybody equally well. And um, it's a real, you know, uh, I, I, I use it uh, very often to um, check myself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if I believe it's important to treat people equally well, then how come you said this, did that or behaved in this way with that individual or group yesterday? because mm -hmm. you treat them equally well so um you just need to rethink your, your your position on this yeah yeah absolutely um and that, that's i think uh, uh something that um to leave my questions briefly um that i think our our viewers would probably 
see uh, that blindness and that kind of sense of um, uh, the flip side of that, but not being aware of, of when you have behaved badly, when you haven't treated people equally well. I think that that's something that um, many of us will see portrayed popular culture, on screen, on stage. And that does bring me to my next question, which is to say that you previously worked as a professional actor. Um, I wondered if you uh, had any insights or experiences in that industry um, with regards to representation and racial discrimination um, and whether you'd be happy to share any of those. Well, it was a very long time ago. And uh, the, 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 fascinatingly, uh, I didn't set out to become uh, an actor uh, or to spend time in uh, show business, as it were. I was, uh, as again, just referencing back to the Salvation Army, um, mm. we're an organization where uh, young children, you know, uh, stand up and do things uh, in church. Um, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I think the churches you know, are unique in that regard sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and, um, and things like, um, you know, putting on uh musical events or shows or uh or, or whatever uh happened uh quite frequently when when i was a child and as i was growing up so i was used to uh that sort of thing doing uh you know what we might just call in the uh, wider world amateur dramatics mm -hmm. and in my job i was working with somebody uh, to cut a long story short who was his brother was looking for a black cockney who could uh uh, box and sing. Uh, I happened to fall into all of those categories. Uh, you know, I'd done a little bit of boxing at school, unbeknown to my parents, I might add. Um, Not know about uh, the boxing, that's new information for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't last long. It didn't last long. I, I decided I didn't like being hit and I couldn't always avoid it. So I, I, I put that to one side. Um, but uh, Equity, the Actors uh, Union, couldn't find, there wasn't uh, a black cockney uh, who could box and sing on their books wow. right then. I don't think they had any um, young black cockneys uh, on their books back in the late, um, whenever it was, late 60s. So um, I went and auditioned for this um, television play and basically got the part. And so I fell into it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I became a member of Equity because I got the part. So, you know, in answer to your question, how, what did I notice? Well, I noticed that there wasn't anybody. I was here occupying a unique niche, um, uh, as it were, because there was literally nobody like me on Equity's books um, in the late 60s. Did you know that you can add impact to your inbox by joining our mailing list? Sign up today. Visit allwecan.org.uk and click on Get Involved, or click the link in the description of this episode. Welcome back. Today, we're marking International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination in conversation with Inclusion Specialist and the Chair of All We Can's Board of Trustees, Lynbert Spencer. I was near occupying a unique niche, um, uh, as it were, because there was literally nobody like me on Equity's books um, in the late 60s. Wow, that's uh, amazing to hear from the perspective of 2023. But 
Um, but also, I suppose that places either perceived or kind of imposed responsibility on you. Did you ever perceive that people uh, saw you as having a role as an actor rather than just the role that you were playing um, because of that, um, because the fact that your appointment was unique at the time? Well, I don't know uh, whether I was um, uh, very aware of it at the time, to be honest. I simply Mm -hmm. got on with it. Uh, And actually, it didn't happen that I became a professional actor, as it were. uh, after that one hit, it became a situation where I I did the play and then basically uh, took time off to rehearse and record and then went back to work and then, yeah. you know, in the day job and then had another opportunity, um, uh, which I interviewed for, um, auditioned for and got, uh, and then went back to work, although the, the, the organisation uh, then decided to let me go as it were, but we won't go into that. Um, and so uh, I, I then fell into the profession uh, and managed to to get work uh, again, partly because there were so few others around at that time. Mm-hmm. So what that left me with uh, was a sense that um, uh, I was in a, I had an opportunity, but I don't think I necessarily was seeing the issues at that time. Not long afterwards, or some years afterwards, I suppose, I became involved, more involved in looking now from the outside back into uh, the industry and seeing what was missing and became part of a a group early on in in seeking to try and bring about uh, some changes. But um, things are still uh, not where they should be, especially uh, behind the camera uh, when it comes to uh, technicians and so on. Uh, But what I notice um, really starkly uh, when I go to the theatre, unless it's a uh, a production that is specifically about um, uh, minority issues of one sort or another, uh, Mm -hmm. then it's, if there are a handful of black or brown faces in the audience, that would be a lot. Mm, mm, there's a lot, there's a lot to do. And professionally, uh, in the last five years, I've I've done some work with um, uh, one of the high-profile theatre companies to try and help them in their thinking around this work. So there's a lot that to do. Still. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, um, and and from from what you were bringing in, I I, I love the idea of drawing um, uh, the connections between different industries, mainly because I also have a little bit of a background in theatre as well. So I love the idea that um, that we could apply experiences and, and models um, across um, these areas. But I, I suppose again, it feeds into those characteristics: um, people feeling trusted and safe, and and actually. A community that might go to a theatre, that might watch an opera or a musical or, or a, um, be a regular attendee, perhaps be a patron um, or a supporter of a theatrical organisation. They need to have those those same that same sense of, of safety, of respect, um, of being listened to and represented on stage. Absolutely. And, and I think it, it's it's an area uh, and I've not done uh, a lot of work in recent years, as I say, apart from this um, one particular company. Um, it's an area where I think that what we are seeing, if we look at it, is that there are 
it's probably the most, I don't want to use the term segregated, but separated uh, area of, of, uh, of our lives, it's certainly in the UK, where, you know, you, you do have, um, there's quite significant black theater issues or black dance or, you know, we have, there's a, there's a gay orchestra and, and so on, uh, where it's almost a, a kind of, it's not forced, but there's, it feels like there's a voluntary apartheid going on when it comes mm. to different aspects of diversity in the arts. So there is, I think there's a, a lot to do uh, around that in mm. having much more um, integrated arts platform, if you like, where, uh, where we, we see much more diversity in groups as opposed to, well, separatedness. Yeah, separatedness. That's that's a really interesting word, and I think that probably captures the the, the, the idea of it. In the same vein, actually, I kind of want to bring the conversation uh, back to all we can, having been the one that derailed it or took it took it elsewhere, uh, but bringing it into land really. Um, I, I suppose on that sense of separatedness, um, here we are, and, and you very kindly joined me, um, talking about racial discrimination on a day that is set aside for it. Um, and I think you'd love your opinion on this as well, but uh, these days give us a space to to specialise and, and, and take stock and talk about where we're at. But I wonder how you think, especially from All We Can's perspective, how you think we can start to bring this conversation across the, the year and actually make it um, an even stronger part of our messaging and the way we talk to our supporters throughout the year. Um, and, and actually make sure that we're always staking a claim to having this discussion. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think that it goes with the kind of little mantra, you know, uh, a dog's for life, not just for Christmas. Uh, and I think it, it's the same kind of piece. This day gives us that opportunity to unwrap a gift around this. But that gift of... Uh, understanding and awareness raising is for life it's not just for this day and so then how we do that and make sure that we educate enable and then support and powerfully model behaviors that are designed to break down uh, barriers designed to enable people to to see uh, where there might be blind spots that need to be addressed uh, and then to support people in developing behaviours that are taking account of and enabling others to have that sense of feeling respected, trusted, safe, valued, and so on. All of which, are, you know, I think sometimes people say, well, these are all very soft words, but, you know, they're not soft because actually you can't do that if you are treating people badly. You can't do that. Uh, that doesn't come about if people are feeling that they are being discriminated against, that they are being given less than their worth or they're less than their counterparts. So whilst that's the outcomes that we want, actually it does require uh, some quite direct action. And the most important thing that we can do, I believe, is to engage with people and ask people what they need from us if they're going to uh, be able to be their best self and move forward. That's fantastic. And and again, I've 
with with this with the with the being yourself and moving forward embracing um and and feeling respected trusted safe and valued that's something that we uh, want to see an echo of in our partnership work and and in the way that um that we work with organizations that are, that are based in their own communities and are led by their own communities and uh, you'll probably have seen and, and also have had a hand in um uh, this year's campaign and we're really talking about using a kind of uh, microscope i suppose on on our partner communities in malawi talking about putting communities in the driving seat of change and uh I suppose at the risk of extending the conversation, and I, and I, I, I would love to let you get on with your morning. I wonder if you think racial discrimination plays a role in the funding model, the, the power balance in international development, and whether you think maybe the partnership model is is a way of addressing that. Yeah, yes, and yes uh, is the is the short answer, and I think it's it plays a role in a very complex way because it's about how donors perceive the, um, the, the, the countries and the organizations in those countries that they are supporting, and equally how those organizations seeking funding perceive the donors and what they believe about the donors. And, and so the, the danger is that there is a mutual maintenance of a discriminatory approach. Yeah. So uh, I'm a major donor, say, and in order for me to convince my board or whoever else is around uh, that this donation that I'm wanting to make in this place is going to be worthy, um, I may well inadvertently or sometimes even deliberately play up my stereotypical view of that place or that organization in terms of their need of us from the West uh, because they are, are less than, because they are not capable of doing this, because they are needing to be taught X or Y. So I kind of play that up. The recipient potentially is thinking, well, what is it that I need to be doing or demonstrating to show that we have great need? Mm -hmm. So now, uh, as the uh, recipient uh, organization, potentially, I'm saying to myself, what do I need to show that donor that we are poor and capable uh, and uh, needing of uh, uh, education or help or whatever and so what you then get potentially is that negative cycle potentially which is maintained where we are and where i'm pleased that um, uh, all we can is striving to be uh, is to say you know look we we've all got needs and uh, if we work together some of those needs that we both have can be met we can all learn. We need to learn from you. So the first question is, you know, what can we do? How can we help? We don't necessarily start with money, but we start mm. with creating a relationship and inquiring, I believe, powerfully into what it is we might be able to contribute in order to help whoever we're working to A, identify where they want to go, what they want to do, and how they're going to get there. But it has to be their call. They need to be on the front of the bike. Yeah? 
Yeah, absolutely. On, on the front of the bike, I, li- I like that. Um, that that tandem bike that we so often um, bring out at some of our events that we go to, yeah. the concept that the person on the back isn't necessarily the one doing the steering, although I have learned does have to help with the balance. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really great metaphor. It's a great mm-hmm. metaphor, isn't it? Um, but the sense that that person on the front, they can see the direction they can take the lead in steering and actually you know there's some propulsion support from the back what's fascinating alex if you've ever ridden a tandem is that uh you can actually make progress and do the thing without the person on the back Mm. but it's slower Mm -hmm. and then when you get the person on the back you might be able to go faster but only if the person on the back is allowing you to lead yeah otherwise it becomes unbalanced so uh, it the metaphor is i think even more powerful than we than we make it out to be i think the tandem bike keeps teaching us things um ever since we first rode them um as a model i I think that's that's so powerful you know um actually having that having that image especially for those of us who are watching at home who um who follow all we can's work who are incredibly valued as supporters and 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 um and advocates for what we do and, and for our partner communities i think that that image in particular if nothing else the image of the tandem it is hugely powerful to illustrate that relationship and that trust that's that's amazing and thank you so much Lindbergh, for for all of your time this morning it's been really fantastic to have this conversation with you and um, we hope that this conversation starts more conversations about both how all we can are doing where we're at um where we need to go uh, what we need to do more of and what we need to do less of and uh, also just about the wider the wider movement towards a development sector and a, and a space where supporters partners and communities feel trusted safe valued and have a sense of belonging <laughs> have a sense of belonging i forgot my fourth adjective again Limbert, but <laughs> but i'm getting there thank you so much again yeah and hopefully see you very soon Okay, Alex. Thanks again. Thanks, Limbert. Bye. Um, Bye. Thank you for listening to this special edition of All We Can's podcast, marking International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Have you been inspired by what you've heard today? Perhaps you'd like to join the discussion. Or would you like to know more about how All We Can is doing development differently? Visit our website today at allwecan.org.uk. Thank you for joining and see you next time.